We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Radio 92.9, the game, back with you on the John Chuckery Show. We are still live from Mercedes-Benz Stadium. They kept the lights on for us. Final hour of the program is the start of the Brown Liquor Music Hour. Chuck Rose gets first request. You know how we do it on Mondays. It's a Motown Monday, a little Miracles Love Machine. This is uh, Billy Griffin's birthday today, the man who took over for Smokey Robinson in the, uh, I guess, second incarnation of the Miracles, right? It's not wasn't Smokey... Smokey Robinson, The Miracles, uh, anymore by 75. It was uh, Billy Griffin singing this, their big number one hit, Love Machine. 404-741-0929. That is the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Honestly, the app is how you catch us when you're on the go. Social media is at 9 on the game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And as always, best way to be a part of the show is to follow me on my personal Twitter page. That would be at jmch316 hey um braves are back at it um and a little bit surprised they uh, give snicker credit he kept spencer strider in now the mets pulled carrasco after a couple of innings but the braves are now starting to pound on the mets it's five nothing right now ronnie's got a couple of hits and a couple of rbi dansby just doubled he knocked in another run Contreras is homered in the game rosario's homered in the game oh vaughn grissom is uh, one for two with a run scored so that now makes six games and six runs. He is the first player to score a run in his first six games since Sam Horn. Remember him for the Red Sox back in 1987. Day-Day, are we allowed at this point, you know, because the texters the other day when I brought up about how good the scouting and development, don't get all excited yet. It's only been a game. Now that we have six games and he's setting a record every time he goes out there and play, can we be a little bit excited? Are we allowed to compliment the Braves in their front office and their development over this, or do we still don't get so excited? No, about no. It. We, there's every bit of reason huh? to be. be oh. There's every bit of reason oh, to be excited okay about what we're oh, seeing. Okay, yeah. all right. I just wanted to be sure because, you know, the texters told me last week when I brought this up about how good their player development. The fact that you've had multiple guys jump through the system to go from double A to the big league club and come in and contribute. And what I heard is, Chad Green, you got to slow down on all of it. Well, how about now? Do I have to slow down now? This kid's legit. This kid's another legit kid. They, They didn't bring him up just to be a placeholder. They brought him up knowing that he was going to play. And you only can do that if you trust 
and believe in your front office and your scouting department and the reports that you're getting every day from what he's doing in Mississippi. That's how. Like, they didn't just do this on a whim. You know, they, they didn't just say, uh, let's see, put a bunch of names up on a dartboard, and wherever we throw in it lands, that's who we're going to call up. No. They take their top-tier prospects, they look at them, they monitor them, they look and say, hey, can, can we bring this guy up and he can do something? We ain't going to wait, no, man. Please. It's just ridiculous out there. So the Braves are up. Um, uh, by the way, um, Day Day, feel free that if that person wants to text or call and take their apology. Okay. <laughs> okay got we, can, we can have the Solomon Brothers Diamond apology text line. We've had to do that before for some people. Because when you start doubting me and questioning me, you usually come up on the losing end. You usually end up with craps when it's all said and done. But anyway, Braves are up 5 to nothing. They're battering the Mets around. They've already used three pitchers. Look, here's the other thing about the Mets. They are outstanding in their starting rotation. They are outstanding in their closer. Everything in between is a crap sandwich. Everything in between is just one pile of crap. And if you can get into the middle of their bullpen, if you can get past Carrasco and Scherzer and DeGrom and these guys, right, you can get in the middle of their bullpen. It's a crap sandwich with a side of soup. And you can take care of these guys, and you can you can get some hay against these guys. The problem is, you know, those guys up at the front of the rotation that they start getting on a roll, and they turn a five inning into a seven inning with 13 strikeouts. And you got nothing. You got bupkis for all of it. So Strider's in. He's still got – he's at four innings with three hits, no runs, and uh, got four strikeouts and a walk. He's at 83 pitches. So hopefully you can get him through five innings because – well, now the Mets have scored, of course. Figures, right? <laughs> Figures that the Mets have scored. So they're going to turn around the Mets scored. So it's 5-1 to one right now. But Braves looking in good shape here. Um, they are in the top of the fifth, which uh, I think, Day-Day, you had it right. I think I will be out of here before um, the, the baseball game gets done uh, tonight. But we said earlier in the show – and we talked about this with Bob Nightingale, our Odyssey MLB insider. Braves have to win three or four here. They can't monkey around and fiddle futz around and, you know, be happy with a split or whatever. Like, if you're going to win the division, it has to start with this. You know, you can't tell me that they get down seven or eight games and they lose a few games to the Mets. You're down seven or eight games and tell me, oh, yeah, we're just going to we're just gonna roll up. Because guess what the Mets are going to do? They're going to roll up wins against the, the dreadful Pirates and the Pawn Scum Marlins and the Low Life Nationals and the Dirtbag Pirates and the Fleabag Rockies and all these, you know, Fakakta, you know, bottom feeders in the National League. They're going to beat them up just like the Braves beat them up. They're not going to stub their toe. They're not going to go on a six-game losing streak with two guys named Scherzer and DeGrom that pitch in their rotation. You think those guys are you think in a, you think in a 10, 10 day stretch you can get two really bad outings out of each of those guys, huh? It's not going to happen. So you got to take care of it now. You have to beat them head to head now. Why you got them in your home park, protect your home park. The Braves by the way are 37 and 22 at home. So the Braves are 15 games over 500 at home. And remember, they didn't start off very good at home in the early part of the season. Remember, they lost an opening series. They, they split a series with the Reds, who were the bottom-feeding pond scum sludge off the bottom of the barrel with a scooper and a scraper, and it's muck and mire and just sludge and filth and muck. 
Remember that? They split that series to start the year at home. So they've figured some things out. So Braves are up 5-1 to one right now. We'll see how far this gets. But, you know, good news um, Good news at the old ballpark uh, tonight. And this, of course, the first of you know a four-game set. And there's some really good pitching matchups that are coming in this in this game, right? Or, or in this game, in this series that the Braves have, right? You know, you got Carrasco versus Strider tonight. It didn't work out very well for the Mets, just in the standpoint of the rain delay cost them Carrasco in this thing. But tomorrow, Taiwan Walker, Charlie Morton, that's a really good matchup. Oda Rizzi, can he give us a quality start? Can we get one quality start out of Oda Rizzi? Can he give us five or six innings in any start? Because guess who he's taking on Wednesday? He's got Mad Max on Wednesday. And, and, you know, if Max has got a role, Max is in the discussion. Max might be in the discussion for the MVP when all is said and done. And then the, I guess it's an ESPN Plus game on Thursday. This is a really good matchup. Kyle Wright and DeGrom. That's that. Listen, that's another one of those. Okay, that's game one or game two of a playoff series, right? That's a top of the rotation playoff series. But the Braves can't afford to monkey around in all this. Oh, by the way, hey, uh, let me mention uh, as well. Kenny Maine has joined the Odyssey family with his new podcast. Say it with me. Hey, Maine. Uh, he's talking to uh, athletes, celebrities, just about anybody else. Chris Berman, among others, his past guest. Download. Hey, Maine, for free on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast from. And also, as well, you can listen to every Hawks game along with all the music and news Atlanta needs right here on the Odyssey app. But, you know, the, the Braves can't monkey around in this series. You can't be satisfied with a split or anything like that because you can't get into scoreboard watching, right? You can't get into trying to watch the scoreboard and while you win and beat up somebody, waiting to see what the Mets have. Because here's what the – after the Mets get done, they go to Philadelphia, okay, so, eh, you know, they might split there. They go to New York. Well, didn't they just beat the Yankees a couple of times in, in Flushing Meadows or wherever the hell they play nowadays? So they go up to Yankee Stadium. Okay. But then they have the pawn scum, dreadful, disgraceful Colorado Rockies. They've got the Dodgers. Then it's the Nationals, the Pirates, the Marlins, the Cubs, the Pirates again before they have to play Milwaukee and Oakland. And then it's Miami, Atlanta, Washington. So they ain't got a whole lot of series left against anybody who's worth a flip at all, which is why you got to take care of your business head-to-head. You can't wait till the early part of October to try to catch the Mets then. you got to catch them now. you got four games on your home field with one of the best teams in baseball. you got to get it done. And the Braves' bats are starting to heat up. Ronnie's got two hits and a couple of RBI. Dansby's two for two, two with a run knocked in. Contreras has got a homer in his wanted bat. Rosario's got a homer tonight, right? You got some good things going on. Your top of the order's figured it out. Your bottom of the order. By the way, are we still waiting on, can we Can we go ahead and talk about how good Von Grissom is yet, Day-Day? Is that okay? Or we don't want to upset the texters? No, I think we're good. I think, I think it's, okay. uh, it's right. proven that we can go. Okay. All right. I just wanted to be sure. Because Harris and Vaughn have both scored a run tonight. Grissom's got a hit. He scored a run. Harris has scored a run. And what you love about the bookend of this lineup, speed at the top, speed at the bottom, right? You get those guys on base running around wreaking havoc. I'm telling you, when they get in the playoffs this year, the Braves, that team could be a lot of fun to just watch wreak havoc on the base paths. With Grissom, Harris, Ronnie, and Dansby, you can wreak a lot of havoc. Because, look, 
you're not going to just mash your way through it, right? I know the Braves last year mashed their way through the playoffs. That's awfully tough to do. I think the Braves had 17 homers or something crazy like that in the playoffs last year. That's hard to do, even in today's modern-day baseball. You know, at some point you got to move a guy along, a two-out hit, a bleeder to right, a bloop to left, you know, move a runner from first to third on a single, this, that, and the other. And, and how many years have you heard me talk about the Braves, I don't think have always capitalized on the speed that they have. This year they've got it cooking, right? This year with Ronnie and Dansby, Dansby's already set a career high in steals. What's Ronnie got, 25 stolen bases already? Harris has got 13, 14 steals. Grissom can get around, right? I think he stole a base in his first game. That game he homered. He stole a base that night. He had 27 steals down in the minors. I love it. Bring that aspect back. Put wreak havoc on the other team's pitching staff, on their defense. You put pressure on it. You make every you make every at bat tough to have to defend. Because I got a guy who's running around like a gazelle out there on the base pass. And oh yeah, if one of those guys hits a ball to the wall and Ronnie or somebody's on first, they're coming home. Ron Ron Washington's waving his arm around like a windmill, creating all this green energy. And he's bringing somebody home, and they're gonna they're gonna try to score on everybody. So good news, five to one Braves are up uh, right now. We'll keep you up to date for the next uh, 45 minutes that we're here about the, what happens. But uh, we're in the fifth inning, so we're just about a uh, bottom of the fifth. So we're at least um, they get this inning over with. We can at least say it's a full game, right? No matter what happens uh, from there. And I guess it was I guess there was quite a bit of rain. Hey, did you get a lot of rain back at the at the studio? Because yeah, they were saying it here was it coming rained down. like crazy over yeah, here. Yeah, it came okay. down over here. Yep. Okay, so they were saying like over here at the stadium, I couldn't see or hear or anything like that that it was raining or whatever. But they said it was pretty pretty heavy and hard. So, um, and that's the other thing too is you know you get a lead, grab some of these guys out, grab Ronnie and and pull him out of right field. Right, you don't want him running around on wet turf. Right, you don't want him running. Around. I don't care how good the drainage is and all that. You get some of those guys out late in the game. You bring in some defensive, you know, subs and stuff like that later on in the game. You know, especially in a five-run game like this, or four-run game, I should say, in a game like this. All right, when we come back, we'll talk about what we saw on Friday night from the Falcons. I was taking notes. It's all next. Chuck Reed is hanging out here. We're at Mercedium as um, it's me, Cullen, and a couple of rats and some cleanup crew. That's about all that's left out here. Sports right now to the game, Odyssey.com app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. 
Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. With you on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, and this is John Chuckery Show, live from Mercedes-Benz Stadium on this Monday evening. Um, looking out here on the field, yeah, there's nobody uh, left out here. Even the cleaning people have gone away. They've, uh, now, there's a couple of people over there folding some chairs or doing whatever. They're wiping some stuff down or whatever like that. They're just doing whatever they came to look busy, right? Get on the clock, kind of, you know, grab a few things. Now they're going through all the uh, bleachers and stuff like that up there and uh, cleaning up all the trash between all the... Well, the rows of chairs and everything like that. So, anyway, Braves up 5-1 uh, right now. Of course, we had open practice here earlier on this evening. And um, nice crowd. It wasn't, it wasn't too bad out here. Um, it was a Monday. I think a lot of people obviously invested in what the Braves and Mets were doing. But, you know, obviously first game of the preseason, and it was Friday night against the Detroit Lions. And, look, um, you know, I liked what the Falcons did. You know, without getting too overhyped and, and too crazy about things, right? First off, they played like they wanted to win. And I thought Arthur Smith coached like he wanted to win. I thought he made, you know, coaching decisions, obviously going for it and all that. You know, trying to play to win. And and he said he wants to change that kind of culture, right? That may not mean anything in the grand scheme of things for some people, but you got to get your mind right that every time we step out on the field and there's a guy with a different colored hat on, we want to beat that guy. Whether it, whether it counts or doesn't count, whatever. I don't care if they're playing football, playing marbles, or playing, you know, euchre. Whatever it is, you want to beat that guy, right? And so I thought they played with that kind of, if you will, urgency, for lack of a better way to describe all of that. But I thought they played with some of that on Friday. You know, look, I was looking for 100 rushing yards. They had, you know, what, 100 and, um, 168. And even if you take away all the quarterback yards on the rush, they were still in the 85-90 range with the running backs, right? So I thought that was all good. They averaged over four yards a carry. Even the running backs averaged over four yards per carry. If you take away the quarterback runs, because they were 5.8 overall, take away the quarterback runs, and they still averaged over four yards per carry. So they got some things done that I wanted to see. They got a sack. They created a couple of turnovers, which is like voodoo, right? You know, there are some things to be encouraged about with it. I thought Tease Tabor played really well. I thought Ebba Katie kind of played well. I thought Kadri Allison showed out well in his time that he got out there. You know, the Drake London thing, you know, that's frustrating. You know, for a guy who had some injury issues in college, and here we are, first preseason game, and my wide receiver goes down. That's my, you know, number eight pick of the draft, and he's out all of this week and probably not going to play this week or next Monday in the game, and, who knows? Even I mean, you know, I was talking with Michael Rothstein earlier today, who covers the Falcons for ESPN. He thinks they shouldn't play him at all. I'm like, yeah, I get that, but 
you know, you, you know, they didn't play Kyle Pitts and he had a nice year, but you know, it took him a while to really kind of get in the flow of everything. So I don't know. I understand. Look, you know, Julio and Tony Gonzalez and people like that over the years, you didn't worry about them when they were veterans and, you know, on their hall of fame career and things like that. But, your rookies, I mean, it's hard to not want to play those guys. And and not only that, but you're missing practice, right? You're missing days of practice. So that was frustrating from that standpoint. I like what Marion and Ritter both did. The thing I'll say about those guys running around is, I mean, kind of two pieces. One is I'm curious to see now what element of quarterback runs Arthur Smith starts mixing into the offense. And two is, those guys are going to have to either slide or get out of bounds, whatever, because you can't take big hits like that in the NFL. With all due respect, you got Miles Garrett and Watt and the Bosa's and Mack and all these. Those guys are going to tear your head off. You ain't going to last long in the league. You know, if Marcus Mariota takes some of those hits in the regular season that he took in that preseason, you're going to, he's going to be on the IL. He's going to be on the IL by week four. He ain't going to last. And so, you know, that's the one thing that you want to see is you don't want to see your quarterbacks put themselves in harm's way, right? You know, but I thought the big thing is I thought their commitment to the run, I, that's what I think, you know, on that, on that touchdown drive, 10 of the 12 plays were rushing plays, right? They ran, um, they had uh, 24 passes uh, in the game. They had 29 rushing attempts. And that's the stat Bill Parcells always wanted to look at, right? Tell me what my rushing – uh, attempts were. Not my yards, not my yards per carry. What are my rushing attempts? And I thought the Falcons showed some commitment to the run game. And I thought we started to see sort of what, and, and I understand that London went out early, you didn't have all of your parts and stuff like that, and you didn't want to put too much on Desmond Ritter. But I thought you start to see the blueprint a little bit of where the offense, and, and this is the question I've been asking, right, for weeks and weeks and weeks. What is our offensive identity going to be? What's going to be our offensive playing personality? Well, I think you start to saw, I think you start to, you know, look at some of that blueprint on Friday. Power running game, run first, you know, based offense. You know, you got to block well up front, a mix of running backs. And I think they're going to play multiples of guys in the backfield. I think Allison can make this team. I think Algier is going to get a good bit of carries as well. Obviously, Cordell Patterson, you know, he didn't even, you know, he didn't even have a rushing attempt in the game, what he played, like I think seven snaps or something like that, barely played or anything like that. But I think you're starting to see a little bit of what's the offensive identity going to be for the Atlanta Falcons. And I think it's going to be a run-first oriented offense. And I think you're going to try to pick your spots with your quarterback. You know, part of the quarterback runs were just the fact that they had to run for their life, right? At times when there were blitzes and offensive line breaking down and this, that, and the other. And the offensive line still needs some work. You know, I, I again, the center position, I'll put it like this. I told you before, I don't want to see Jalen Mayfield and Matt Hennessy stand side by side on the field. I don't want to see Jalen Mayfield and Drew Dolman. That was even worse. As bad as Hennessy and Mayfield playing together with, Dolman and Mayfield together was even worse. That did remind me of Mike Person and James Stone and that goof. I don't want to see any of that. I, I've seen all I needs to see with the, all of that kind of stuff. But I thought, by and large, the Falcons did, uh, you know, some good things, creating some turnovers, playing with a sense of urgency, playing with a sense of trying to win, right? I wanted to seem to get at least one turnover. They got a couple turnovers. 
You know, I thought Felipe Franks did some good things, you know. Look, did he catch a whole bunch of passes and this, that, and the other? No. He had a really nice play where he almost made a catch over his shoulder. He got kind of turned around the wrong way. That's part of learning your footwork and playing in real NFL games, right? Those are things you can work on. Like, they don't – some of those guys – some of these guys, you see them line up, and they don't have any basic understanding of what's going on and look like they're lost on the football field. You know, blown coverages and this and the other. I think the Falcons had that. I, I didn't think the Falcons really shot themselves in the foot. The, the opening drive wasn't good. You know, it, it wasn't a good thing. You know, that, that touchdown drive for the Lions, you can't let that happen. You can't let a team march it right down like that. And Ebicady got, you know, twisted sideways on that on that run by Swift and all that. I mean, you know, those are things that you have to work on. But I, I, I liked what I saw. I liked the fight, and I liked it. You know, they kept pushing and pushing. You know, They've got a long ways to go, okay? I mean, you know, the Lions aren't, you know, what the Browns and the Saints and the Buccaneers and some of those teams are, right? And, again, we're going to see every – I thought Aiden Hutchinson played well. I, I think he's going to be I, – I, I'll say this. I think Aiden Hutchinson is going to be a handful in the NFL. I think, I think he's going he's gonna to make some offensive linemen look bad in the NFL, make them look bad. But I will tell you right now, McGarry is absolutely the right tackle. Lindstrom, obviously, is the right guard. Matthews is obviously the left tackle. Wilkinson is has won the left guard spot. It now comes down to center. That's the only spot on the offensive line that is up for grabs is the center spot. And I don't think we're going to know that until we get through all of the preseason and we head to week one. You know, um, so I, I think, you know, where we had three open spots in competition earlier, you're down to one now. There's only one open spot on the offensive line, and those guys are neck and neck. That's because of the Spider-Man meme, right? They look and act like the, the same thing, right? They, they profile as the same exact guy out there, two undersized guys or whatever like that that's, that's out there. So I, there was a lot of good things. I, I, you know, again, there's some things to build on. Falcons will play a week from tonight. They'll be in New York. We'll start to get in some uh, co-practices and stuff with some of these teams, right? You've got practices with the Jets. You're going to have some practices you know, here in Atlanta with the Jacksonville Jaguars and all that. So you're going to get into some of those. And remember, it's only a three-game preseason, so you got to make some decisions pretty quick. You know, the, the Falcons do have to make a roster move because you have to get down to 85 guys. I don't know if it's today, tomorrow, whatever. But I think before this weekend, you have to get down to 85 guys. So you have five guys you got to cut, right? Which it's usually not that big of a deal to, to find the first five guys you're going to knock off your football team and stuff like that. You know, I will be curious to see whether or not Drake London plays at all in the preseason, at all in the uh, preseason. You know, um, thought Alford, you know, had a couple of nice plays. You know, Dorian Etheridge didn't play too bad. Like I said, Tease Tabor, I thought he did some good things out there as well. You know, uh, again, for what it was in the first preseason game, you know, I thought the Falcons did some good things. Now let's see if you can build on it. You know, now, now you know, I'm still curious to see what the wide receivers look like. If you're not going to have Drake London coming up next Monday, you know, can you start to work your wide receivers? Because they didn't really, you know, they had a whole bunch of guys that caught passes. You know, of the 12 receptions, um, only one person caught more than one pass. Frank Darby caught two passes. There were 11 different guys caught a ball. From Franks to Hesse to, you know, Batson to Tate to Avery Williams, right? Hodge, Allison, Bird, Barn, you know, Bernhardt is the converted uh, lacrosse player, right? The guy that scored the winning touchdown. You know, he was the Heisman Trophy winner of lacrosse. 
And, look, I, you know, some of these guys, you know, Franks, I think, is going to make the 53. I think Franks is going to make the 53 as a third tight end and an emergency quarterback. I think he's going to end up making the 53. But some of these guys are fighting, you know, for their spot. Jared Bernhardt's fighting for his spot. Can he make this team or not? You know, with a, a whole bunch of guys, and I'm not telling you that there's a whole lot of talent, you know, some of that wide receiver, but you're trying to find guys who, you know, Brian Edwards didn't play. You know, he's going to make the team. London's going to make the team. Um, you know, I think uh, I think Cordero Hodge is going to make the team. So you start, you know, knocking spots on your roster off pretty quickly. You're only going to carry, you know, X amount of wide receivers. You're not going to carry 10, 10 wide receivers. You're only going to carry a handful of those guys. But I thought it was a lot of good. And, and look, I think this team is going to play to win in the preseason. And again, that may not mean much, but you're trying to, you're trying, you're trying to change up the culture and the mindset of this team, right? You're, you're, you're trying to change those kinds of things up for this ball club. All right, uh, Braves now up seven um, to one as uh, Ronnie's got three hits and three RBI um, in this game. I think he homered uh, in this game, if I'm not uh, mistaken. I think he just. Uh, no, sorry, it was a double. He had a double. Um, he's got uh, three doubles uh, tonight and three RBI. So Ronnie's back. That's good news. Dansby's having a good night tonight. Contreras having a good night. Grissom, Harris, all those guys are contributing uh, as well. Again, got to just keep getting the middle of your order together. You know, it's it's they have hit a couple of home runs, but it hasn't been just mash. It's been, you know, some singles and some doubles and some key hits and stuff like guys, that. Guys, I was going to say, guys on base and the bats coming yeah. alive at the right yep. time. Yep. I mean, that's what you got to have. And they're blowing out the Mets 7-1 right now. When we get back, Day-Day and I are going to have a little bit of fun. I'm going to go over this with Day-Day. I saw an article that had the WWE's 12 most historic matches. We'll see if we can come up with any others on our list as well. Hanging out here at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, John Chuck Retail, 11 o'clock in the JR Sports Brief after that. Sports right now for the game, Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. Back with you, John Chuckery Show. At the top of the hour in the JR Sports Brief coming up next. Brown Liquor Music Hour rolling right along here on this Monday. 404-741-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond Tech Sign to be a part of the show. Odyssey app site catches on the go. Social media at 929 The Game. I'm at JMCH316. Dansby with another single, and he knocked in a couple of runs. So Braves are up 9-1 to one right now. Ronnie and Dansby have combined for... Ronnie and Dansby tonight, six for seven, two runs scored, six RBI. Is that good? Safe to say that those guys, yeah. Yeah, and Safe Austin Riley just bad. knocked in Dansby, so they're rolling. Okay. Yeah, so this is blowout city. So, again, save some of the runs uh, for a little bit later on. All right, Day-Day, I came across this article. I know you're a wrestling fan like like I am, historical wrestling fan. They, they listed yes. what they said were the – 12 most historic matches okay. in WWE history. Now, I guess you have to define historical. Um, 
because that doesn't necessarily mean the best matches of all time. Right. So the first one they've got on here, Nature Boy Buddy Rogers versus Bruno San Martino in 63. I'm guessing that's Bruno's first championship win for the WWF, um, who was, you know, Bruno San Martino was the biggest draw in wrestling in the northeastern part of the United States for a long, long time, right? He was mm-hmm. the Vince Senior's, you know, champion for a long, long time before what Backlund took it over before Hulkamania. This is all pre-Hulkamania, obviously. Right. In there, but Bruno, Bruno, Pedro Morales. I mean, those were the big WWE stars. You know, then then later on, a little bit later on, superstar Billy Graham, right? And then Bob Backlund had his long run before we get into Hulkamania and all that. Mm-hmm. So that's when they've got on there. Um, I can't tell you a whole lot about that. Hogan and Mr. T versus Piper and Orndorff at WrestleMania. I remember that. Absolutely. Yep, that's the that. first yep. WrestleMania. No doubt about it, Day Day, right? That, that yeah. That's one of the historical yeah. matches because WrestleMania, nobody knew what the history and everything was going to be of WrestleMania at that point, and they took all of their biggest stars and put them in the main event. Yep. Now, this next match is, to me, the most important match in my lifetime in wrestling, and that's Hogan and Andre at WrestleMania. 3. Oh, yeah. Pontiac, right? That, Yep, absolutely. Yep. Pontiac Silverdome. Yep. Um, you know, depending on what reports you believe, ninety thousand, seventy-five thousand, whatever. Right. You know, it, it's always been disputed, but um, that's the most important match in my lifetime in wrestling because yeah. that brought that brought wrestling to a mass worldwide audience, mm-hmm. and and that was Vince's dream at that point, right? To to be a global brand, and that's what moved that match moved it in there. By the way, too, I think that that is. I think that is the only time I think it's the only time that Hogan defended the title at WrestleMania I because think. he he at WrestleMania 1 wasn't for the title. WrestleMania 2 was a debacle. That was King Kong Bundy in the blue cage. Mm-hmm. 3 was Andre. 4 was the tournament, right? Because Andre won the title from Hogan on Saturday Night's Main Event, and then they had a tournament that Randy Macho Man Savage won at four. At five, Hogan won the title from Savage. At six, Hogan lost the title um, to Ultimate Warrior. At seven, Hogan won the title back again against Sergeant Slaughter, right? Yep. And then at eight was against Sid, Sid, you know, Sid Vicious. But that that wasn't for a title because Savage and uh, Flair were the title match in that. So I think that's the only time that he defended the title because he wanted it nine, mm-hmm. you know, when he beat Yokozuna in that right. phony finish and all that kind of stuff. And then he was out of there, right? That was his yep. last WrestleMania. That was it. Yep. Yep. So they've got that on there. I think it's the most important match, yep. you know, in WWE history in my life. And that was the one that they build up to, if you remember, like no one had ever picked up Andre yep. the Giant and that he had yep. never been slammed or any yep. of that. Which, and you know, was a lie, right? Right, right, lie, right, right, yeah. You, you, know, you, know, you know that Hogan actually had slammed him. Hogan slammed him at Chase Stadium. Right, yeah. You know, back in the old days, yeah. Yeah, that was a, that was a complete lie, but yeah, nobody had ever body slammed Andre except Hogan, Harley Race, and half a dozen other guys. Yeah, slammed, you know, as long as but you know, again, we didn't have you know the internet. Right, know, exactly. Then, right? Yeah. Um, this next match, I agree with completely. It was the first ever, you know, pay per view ladder match: Razor Ramon versus Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania. Oh and, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, such yeah. a great match. That was yeah. for actually the Intercontinental title. Uh, yeah, that yep. match and. Um, it was. I mean, look, ladder matches have become kind of real gimmicky, you know, since then. But that match was, you know, was great. And, um, you know, people have always said, though, people that criticize it say that Sean wrestled a ladder in that match. Uh, he didn't wrestle Razor. He wrestled a ladder in right. that match. I don't know. If you watch it, it's it's a clinic by those two guys. 
This, to me, is the match that I still say to this day, this is the match that launched the Attitude Era. Bret Hart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania 13. Yep. The the submission match, mm -hmm. Ken Shamrock makes his debut. Yep. Austin bleeds. He never gives up. He never quits. He just passes out. Yep. They call the match. Yep. It's the best double turn ever in wrestling. Um, Bret Hart comes in as a, as a good guy, leaves as a bad guy. Austin comes in as the bad guy, yep. leaves as the, the good, good guy. guy. Yep. 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 And yep. I, I still say, I mean, that's the match to me that started the Attitude Era. That is that picture of Austin bleeding and that mm -hmm. whole match, which it's my favorite match ever. Um, I think it's the best WrestleMania match of all time. Um, those two guys put on a clinic like nobody else. No, no real shock there. Um, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels at Survivor Series 97. This is, of course, the Montreal uh, Screwjob, yeah, the screw job, as it would yep. become known. You know, the funny thing is, Day Day, you know that's not the WWE's first screw job that they did, right? Mm. That's not Vince's first screw job either. Really? Who, who was the first one? The first one was Wendy Richter got screwed out of the title by Black Widow, oh. who was played by the fabulous Moolah. Yeah. And Wendy, Wendy Richter, Wendy Richter she, was the, she was the female Hogan, so to speak. She was. Yeah. And she did not, and she was about to leave WWE, did not want to drop the championship. Yeah. And so... They put Moolah under a mask as Black Widow and had her go out and beat up Wendy Richter and take the title and pin her for the title in all of it. That oh, was the first wow. screw job was, was Wendy got screwed by Moolah at, uh, I don't remember where that was. That was that was like a house show or something like that, but that was the first screw job. Um, this is an important moment, but it's not a great match. It's Shawn Michaels versus Steve Austin at WrestleMania 14. This, of course, is famous for a few things. One is it's the culmination of Mike Tyson and the DX storyline and all that. Yeah. Obviously, it's Austin's first title win in the WWF, as Jim Ross famously says. The the Steve Austin era has begun. begun yep. We go stone cold, stone cold, stone cold. Yep. The Austin era has begun. That's the famous call by JR. Mike Tyson knocks out Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels would not wrestle again for four more years after this. That's Shawn Michaels' last match until 2002 when he took on Triple H at SummerSlam. He was out. He was out of wrestling because of the back injury that he got earlier in that year at the um, uh, Royal Rumble in that casket right. match against the Undertaker. He took that bad bump off his back, and he would he would be out for four years. And obviously, he was all messed up. And Undertaker talks about you know I had my fist taped and ready to go if he didn't want to do business because nobody really knew if Shawn Michaels was going to do business right. in that match. Like they did not know if he would put Austin over or not. You know they were not sure if he would do what was best for business. Um, King of the Ring 98, Man, Mankind versus The Undertaker. It's not a good match. It is important. In a lot of ways, some people tell you it ruined the business because everybody has always tried to top that match. Right. Everybody's always tried to top fully off the top of the cage through the table, right? Everybody's yeah. tried to completely gimmick and, and put something together, um, and it's never been replicated. Um, the Dudley Boys and the Hardy Boys and Edge and Christian at WrestleMania 2000. Um, this match is unbelievable. Um, this is tables, ladders, and chairs. Yeah. Uh, and it's, that was one of the early the, ones, too, right? Yes. It's not the first one, but it's one of the very first ones. I think yeah. it's the second one yeah. that they did. Um, Rock and Austin at WrestleMania 17. That killed the business because that was the dumbest thing WWE ever did. Was And I know Steve wanted to do it. But turning Steve Austin heel, heel again, and shaking yeah. McMahon's hand and turning heel was the worst thing that ever happened. Their business never really recouped out of all of it. I mean, yeah. it really took a big hit. It There was a lot of popularity loss for all of it. 
Um, I don't know about this one. Stone Cold versus Jericho, Vengeance 2001. Nah. That's where Jericho beat Austin and The Rock in the same night, if you remember that pay-per-view. Yeah. And he became the first unified champion. Champ, yep. Um, great moment for Jericho. I don't know how much it changed the business. Um, John Cena versus Triple H at WrestleMania 22. That's a pretty good match. Now, I'll tell you the ones I think they left off of this list that I think has to be included. Um, and you can pick either one of these. Undertaker and Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 25 and 26. 26 was the retirement match. I think that's one of the more historic matches mm -hmm. in WWE. Both of those matches were outstanding. Um, Ric Flair's quote-unquote retirement match, right? What was that, WrestleMania 24 in Orlando, the Shawn Michaels match? Yep. I'm sorry, I love you, yeah, and he gives him the super kick. it was kick. all emotional, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That, that, yeah. that was supposed to be Ric Flair's retirement match if he wrestled for another decade after that in different yeah. promotions and stuff like that because he needed money. But anyway, that to me is one of the more historical matches of all time. Um, and I was trying to think about, you that, know. So that's the list? Because, you know, for me, British Bulldog and Bret Hart, for me, was, was, say, was a uh, match that, yep. you know, meant Summer something Slam. for the Wembley. business. Yeah. Yep. And, and I'll tell you his other one, too. The year before, SummerSlam '91 against Mr. Perfect. Yes, Mr. Perfect yep. and Bret Hart. Yeah, that was one. Of the, that's one of the best matches to ever watch of all time. Yep, I agree with you. I think the Wembley Stadium, Bret. My favorite is the Bret Hart Davy Boy match at Wembley. Yes, that's my favorite of the back-to-back SummerSlams. But I 100% agree with you. That to me is one of the most important matches. I mean, that really made Bret Hart mm -hmm. and it elevated both of those guys. Yeah, I was gonna say it put it put it, it put the British Bulldog kind of over the top at, yep. at, for a singles career. Yep, absolutely. And that match was in front of a huge crowd. There was a huge pay-per-view event mm -hmm. in Wembley Stadium. So I agree with you. I think that's one of the more important matches. I, I think, honestly, it's not a great match, but I think they have to. I think there has to be something given to the first time that Austin and Rock main evented a WrestleMania. Because they WrestleMania main evented three yes. times. Yes, But at 15 and 99, in, 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 um, that match was in um, uh, Philadelphia. Uh, that, was, that was in Philadelphia. Austin in, in um, Austin in uh, uh, the Rock at uh, WrestleMania 15. That's the first time they main evented at WrestleMania. I think that has to be one of the more historical matches yes. uh, as well. Um, I was trying to think on top of that. Um, you know, I will say the what was it? The is it the 2011 Money in the Bank match? CM Punk and John Cena. Um, that match is outstanding. If you ever see that, that's one of the great matches of all time. Yeah. Uh, oh, you know through. what? Um, and I want to say, was this back when they used to do the Saturday night main event, but Jimmy Snooker and Hogan. I remember. Oh boy. Um, trying to remember. Cause I, my favorite, my favorite Snooker match is in Madison square garden. Snooker and Don Morocco. Don, when well, yeah. Snooker, when he, Snooker went off the top of the top cage. Rope, yep. I mean, top yep. of the cage. He, yes, yes, no, yes. Top yes, of the cage. Yeah, yeah. He went on top of the. He went on yeah. top off of the top of the cage. So, uh, but hit us up with your list as well if you can think of any that we missed out of all of it. All right, we're gonna uh, wrap things up here in a few minutes with the Love TKO and get on out of here for a Monday evening. Chuck, we're here for just a few more minutes in the JR Sports Reef up next. Sports right now to the game. Honestly.com app. <laughs>
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.